You are now listening to the Whipped Cream Podcast with Bianca Harris. We are back. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please do not forget to review and subscribe to this podcast. On this week's episode, I have Vanessa Kraft, who is the editor-in-chief at El Canada. What an amazing conversation. I really related to her a lot. Hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I've been dying to talk to you, whether you know it or not. (laughs) I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Um, Let's jump right into it. What's your astrology sign? Okay. I feel like I'm going to be judged immediately. I'm a Scorpio. Oh, no, I love, I'm Cancer, so. Okay, fine. Because a lot of people are like, ooh, ouch, let's just run away. Scorpio's danger, which is true. Yeah. I'm a Scorpio. My rising is Scorpio and my star sign is Cancer, so I get all of the scariness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have some typical traits. I guess I'm, um, I don't know, I feel like Scorpios can reinvent themselves and uh, they also have a sting in their tail. Maybe they're our worst enemies sometimes. I feel like Scorpios, though, are definitely leaders. Yeah, you yeah. think so? Yeah, definitely have like leadership qualities. I know we're very loyal. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very, very loyal person, sometimes to a fault. And passionate. Very passionate, also, yeah. sometimes to a fault. We're going to stick with the good traits. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I want to read a little bit of your bio. Okay. Because I just... I mean, honestly, I look up to you because I feel like your career is just oh, so amazing. And... I mean, for me, in my journey, I mean, although it's not the same career mm-hmm. field, I always look up to women like you because I'm just like, I need to get there. <laughs> <laughs> You're already doing some pretty ASAP. Things, but it's Thank all you. Good. So, Vanessa, a highly respected multi platform journalist with more than 16 years' experience, uh, joined Elle Canada as beauty director in 2011, garnering six industry awards from, for the magazine, and since September 2015 alone, leading a team that increased traffic to the brand's digital beauty content by 70%. Wow. Uh, Vanessa took on the role of editor-in-chief in in November 2016 as the first black editor-in-chief of NEL globally. Girl, are you listening? Melon popping. Under her direction last year, Elle has had some major wins, including five editorial, sorry, including live editorial meeting on Facebook, the first of its kind in Canada, which garnered over 120 views. Silver for best video at the... Oh, sorry, 120,000 views. My bad. I'm like horrible at reading. (laughs) Oh, good. Uh, Silver for best video at the Canadian Online Publishing Awards and best video service editorial in English at the P&G Awards. Got it all out. But I mean, you know, that's like the formal... The highlight reel. The highlight reel that that the company creates. Um, And, you know, there's a lot more behind the scenes of how those things happen. That's what I want to get into. So you joined in 2011. Yes. What were you doing before that? Before that, I was uh, the beauty editor at a magazine called More, which was at the same publisher. Uh, And I did that for three years. And before that, I was freelancing. So I was writing for magazines like Fashion. I was writing for the Globe and Mail. I was freelancing for Elle um, because I had uh, moved back from London uh, in 2007. 2006, 2007, and that was when I was like getting back into things in Toronto. So that was how it started. Freelance, uh, staff position at Moore, staff position at L as beauty director, and then editor in chief a year ago. Wow. 
How did it feel when you got that position? Oh boy. You know, I had a, I had a lot of pressure in weird ways, in like the loveliest way. A lot of people around me very much wanted me to have the job and also were very sure that this would be the job I would get, but there's no guarantees of anything in the world. So I felt a lot of pressure almost to like get it for other people as much as I did for myself. Uh, it was a, a relief. Obviously, I was very, very proud, very thrilled, excited, terrified. Um, you know, when you're in it, you're just, you're just grinding, right? Yeah, you're not thinking about you're it. You're just grinding. It's only later you might look back and say, hey, what? Okay. And like part of the, for me, it's always like, all right, I got that. What's the next thing? And, that, and I never give myself enough time to just reflect in the moment. Uh, so this is one of these times where I really tried to do that because it was such a huge... Uh, huge achievement and then the first black woman mm -hmm. that is like i mean the position alone is like wow i'm getting this like probably unimaginable position yeah. Yeah. and then that is just like so much more meaningful so what did that mean to you or even like your was, friends and family people around you it's it's huge it's huge and and I'm just so proud and I'm just so happy to be in, in this role. And like, again, it's just like, it's just you doing you. And when you, when you get to a place where you doing you has also then equal something bigger than you were thinking about. Like it certainly wasn't my plan. Like it wasn't even on my top 10 list of why I should do the job. You know what I mean? It just, when it came about and you looked around and you're like, oh, hey, there's this extra added kind of amazing bonus to all of this, which is we all know how much representation matters. In, Definitely. in so many different ways, right? So, so just the fact that I have the position could make a difference for someone that I would never even meet or know or see. Um, but there's so many ways that it, it is important. Uh, you know, Elle, of course, is a huge international brand. We have 46 editions, so there are, of course... Oh, wow. 46 editions. So, there are, of course, women of color, like there are Asian women in the Asian market, women in the Asian market, and um, in the Latin market, of course, but um, yeah. No, maybe El South Africa soon might have a, a black editor-in-chief. I don't know yet. They're in transition right now from their last editor, so it might be somebody on, on, the, on the side hanging Let's out hope with so. me. Yep. The more the merrier when yeah. it comes to that, 100%. <laughs> um, what do you, did you have any, like, doubters around you or naysayers? Because that's something that I've had to deal with when Haterade? I was... Yeah, I was a little bit shocked by because I was like, I'm just doing this because I really want to help. So I was like, whoa. You know, so it's a little bit, it, it does always, make you stronger, but. There's always haterade. Um, <laughs> I just drink it down. No, I mean, it's, you know what I found? It's different. In my 20s, the haterade was different than my 30s. You know what I'm saying? And I think that as you get older, your crew and the people around you become uh, either, at, like, they're also doing stuff. They're less threatened. They have yeah. their own thing. They're more comfortable within themselves. But, um, yes, there will always be. Um, those kind of things happening and, and the only way I get through it is by reminding myself any of that kind of stuff is about the other person it's not about me even when I feel jealousy or envy or anything that's my shit can I say that yeah yeah of course that's my <laughs> shit that's not their shit right so so when people might be oh certain kind of ways about what I'm doing I just have to know I'm sorry that there's something with you that that is hitting a nerve because as long as you don't try to get in the way of what I'm trying to do then I will be empathetic as opposed to like block you. But there is a line, right? So I think that's a really good point because it's like the boundary of like, if you're actually trying to get in the way, then I have to, how do you deal with that when it happens? And, you know, and I had some, I had, I have had to learn 
because back in the day, I didn't know what I had or who I was, and I didn't understand that some of the things that might be happening from people was because they could have an issue with me over whether it's jealousy or just feeling like I wasn't bringing them through or feel or whatever it might have been. So I felt like it was me. It, there was something wrong with me that for why this was happening instead of recognizing like, well, you know, maybe be more sensitive to what's going on on this side. Maybe take a step away from it and look at it objectively. Um, and maybe just don't give up on yourself so easy. Don't sell yourself out. Like, why am I assuming that I'm the problem? It's the default. A lot of women, we all kind of do this a lot of the time, right? When something happens, a man is like, what's their problem? But when a woman happens, you're like, what's wrong with me? Oh, my God. Right? Yes. So, man, my 20s were great, but that was the biggest lesson I had to learn in my 20s, which was like, not, and also, let me let me be real. I'm not saying it's all everybody else's problem or it's everybody else's fault. I was deep in Oprah at the time, and, and my Oprah indoctrination <laughs> was teaching me to take responsibility for my actions. So I, so I almost took too much responsibility, right? Right. Uh, the universe doesn't run a circle around me. The way other people behave isn't necessarily my fault, you know? So eventually that settles down. So that's kind of my long-winded way of saying that. Thank you, God, because I'm like <laughs> hanging on to every word because this is exactly what I've been going through. <laughs> no, it's real. It's real, and it's really hard. It's really hard. The 20s are so such an incredible decade but they are very very challenging because you have not yet figured yourself out fully and you think that you have and you think that you have which is the danger zone you're like got this roll it <laughs> and then your friends and people around you have and they're like oh she thinks she all that oh she thinks she this and you're like what i cried last night before i went to sleep i'm tired and hungry like you know what i'm saying so, I totally relate. I don't even remember what the original question was. Right. It doesn't even matter because this is so, yeah. In summary, um, haters going to hate. As long as you aren't hating on yourself, you'll ride through it. Um, and you have to know sometimes it's a lonely path. So you have to know, listen, if I want the things that, that, that are this high, I'm going to have to endure stuff that maybe other people don't want to have to endure to get that high. Or if I want yeah. this type of success, if you really look at how the people who are there are grinding, that is how you're going to have to have to do it. There's, there's a sacrifice somewhere. Have you lost a lot of, let's say, friends along the way? No, with your career? I, no, not now. I have the most incredible crew of support. Amazing. I think that's what it makes a really big deal. It's everything. It's everything. And it's it's almost more important than having a mentor is having like this advisory board of your girls, right? And and it happens over time. There are some ride or die girls you've had all your life. And then there's others that you clock, okay, at that time in my life, I was also going through XYZ and I was attracting to myself or I was attracted to or I was bringing into my world this kind of trifling stuff because I was trifling. I was this. I was that kind of person too. And then I have to right? say it, you're freaking me out. Because <laughs> I said trifling? No, no, you're freaking me out because I relate to this a lot mm -hmm. on a lot of levels. It's so it, it, so I, the thing is, is like I get in my own head about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, no one else gets this, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you're not really walking around talking yeah. about this. But yeah. No, yeah. I mean, this is why it's um, like two days ago, I was at the Michelle Obama event in Toronto. And she Let's said, all bow our heads. <laughs> but she said some real stuff about that too. She said that it's very important that we are sharing our stories because otherwise people don't really know how you got where you got. They just think, oh, it's some special thing or some she's from the south side of Chicago when you know her parents were, you know, public school, not a lot of money, but they worked really hard to put her and her siblings into, you know, the best schools they could have and so on and so forth. But 
if she doesn't explain all the different things that happened to her along the way and tell her story, which has value, you won't get, oh, that I felt like that, or oh, this happened to me too. Okay. It just wasn't a cakewalk, which magical, it looks like. It's always what it looks like. It's right. one of the biggest things I've always had to deal with. People, people look at me or hear me speak or something, and they assume that I was handed everything that I have, you know? And it couldn't be more opposite, you know? What I have been lucky enough to have in my life are people who believed in me, you know? And um, truly, that is really what you need. You don't need, like, financially or, or even education, of course, is very important. But, but if you have people who believe in you, then you figure out how to do it because you feel you're worth finding those things and getting those things for yourself, you know? Yeah. Well, this is getting super like deep and Melania Van Zandt's going to come around the corner, call me beloved, hold my hands, tell me everything that's going on. Let's just bring this back to career level here. Come on. But it's true. It all relates mm -hmm. to the career. It really does. Mm -hmm. um, so did you have like mentors, not maybe now, but like when you were coming up? I think you always have the type of the women you just look up to and admire from afar. You have the people who influence you and help you out that you don't even realize they are. Like, um, they're almost like a sponsor that you don't know is sponsoring you. That you don't know that this person, when they're in a meeting, is talking good things about you to their boss. That you don't know maybe is, con is making a connection for you because they believe in you and they're like, oh, you know who you should talk to is this girl. Or there's those people that you need to have around. But yes, mentors for sure. Um, even just uh, like in, in not terribly recently, but when I was at Moore Magazine, uh, the editor-in-chief, Linda Lewis, who sadly passed away a few years ago from uh, leukemia, she was an, an incredible mentor for me in that um, I was already coming into the magazine with, you know, I had, a, I had a career going, but the way that she talked about me to other people, she really raised me up. She put, she put the right kind of pressure on me. She had really high standards, which made me raise my own. And she would bring me to, to events and meetings and places I didn't need to be, but she would make me come. And I never knew why she would be bringing me to these things. And we'd get in there and she'd be like, that person's this person, this is that person, go talk to them and push me out the door. And I'd be like, but I, uh, champagne's over there. I just want to drink, you know, can I? <laughs> so, so she, I didn't know at the time what she was teaching me, but she was teaching me how to be editor in chief. She was teaching me how to walk in a room and, and figure wow. out who's important. And no, for real, she really, was hugely important on standards, the way she ran the magazine, the, the quality that she um, aspired to have, and her belief in me, you know? So that's like an obvious professional one. Um, you know, and like I said, Oprah, like the time I was coming up, like Oprah was at her peak in terms of the, the shift that she'd had about the, the content she was creating, which was so much about, you, you know, women loving Have herself. you listened to her podcast? Yes. I live for it. Yes. It's like the highlight of my week. There's something I was listening to. What Oprah was? What was Oprah on? She was on some other pod, random podcast. I'll look it up. I can't remember it. Was it with uh, a couple, a guy and a girl? Yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, Dear Sugar. Dear Sugar. <laughs> I know. I love Dear Sugar. I do too. They're so wise. It's also it's it's a podcast that somebody had recommended to me that I didn't. It's not like out there really. I don't think, but it's so good. I was like, how is like what is happening? <laughs> was Oprah just on your and podcast? As soon as, as soon as you hear Oprah's voice coming through your headphones, you're like, I feel healed. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. She's, she's, I just talk about a self-made woman. And it's so cool to see her evolve, yeah. right? And like, 
you know, like some of the shows you'd watch and you're like, Oprah, what is she talking about? And then you'd see her like a couple, and she would correct herself and she would be yeah, very open did. about yes. it. Yes. Which I think is important. That's a lesson there in particular now, as we know, now unfortunately the word authentic, authentic has become a buzzword in itself. Yeah. We know that you can't play it anymore. And Oprah was doing, part of her success now is because she was doing that way ahead of the curve when everyone else was trying to control the message or be a certain way. And she was like, I, I blew it. I screwed up. I gained the weight back. I'm sad. I'm, <laughs> I'm not marrying Stedman. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I'm not marrying him. <laughs> He's accepted it. Now you need to. So, That's so funny. Yeah. Um, oh, I had a question that I wanted to ask okay. you. And, I, and Oh, are you naturally like an introvert? Or yes. is this something that yes. you've worked on? I am a high-functioning introvert. So what happens is I can turn it on and do my thing and I'm good, but I need to then retreat to a cave and have no human human interaction or contact to get my my re-up on my energy. If I keep having this this kind of stuff, people think, oh, you're into it, you love doing this. I I don't mind doing it at all, but I need a minute. And if there's too many back to back to back, then I kind of get overwhelmed. And, and I don't, I'm not a nice person. Yeah. So, and it's like by the last back to back, you don't want to talk to me because I'm not. I'm yeah. Yeah. So, so this is, even people at work know that. So they'll be like, there's all these events. What do you want to do? I'm like, oh, I'll do all of them. And then they're like, okay. And I don't even RSVP to have them because they know I'll be like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. So yeah, it's just, it's just knowing yourself and just knowing I, I'm good, but I need to make sure because when I figure things out is when I'm alone and I'm very, very comfortable being by myself. I'm very comfortable um, taking that time, I feel good when I do it, and then I feel like I can face the world again. So, and there's other people I've seen it. My husband, he freaking, and my daughter, in fact, they get energy from being around people. You know, they, that's yeah. how they re up their energy. And when they're just with nothing going on, my daughter's always like, let's go meet some people. I'm like, I know enough people. I don't want to meet <laughs> anymore. That's me. But yeah, so I am, an, I am an introvert. I think a lot of, uh, I think a lot of artists writers, uh, creative people, people in this have to be, yeah. Have to be. Um, how many people do you have on your team at work? I, this is just coming from a selfish mm-hmm. question because mm-hmm. I want to know how not as many as I need because you know, the magazine industry is, uh, we're not living in the eighties where I'm right. swanning in for lunch and talking about terracotta <laughs> and like walking out five hours Um, you know, well, we've got, you know, we've got basically you've got your, your standard pillars of the magazine. We have beauty team, uh, two, two on the beauty team, two on the fashion team uh, for the writing side. Outside of that, we obviously have a fashion director who handles the visuals. We have um, editorial assistants on both of those teams. We have a special projects editor who manages to have a bunch of different things. We have three on the art team. Um, uh, production side, obviously, we have copy editors and, and production editors for when we're making the magazine. Myself, a couple of... Uh, college interns like people come in for six weeks at a time on programs that's about it and then the how do freelancers. you how do you find it managing like your core team what is that like um it's not bad i enjoy i enjoy managing people because um i really get a kick out of helping helping people achieve what they're trying to achieve for themselves and for their career uh so i like watching people grow i like you know, making them have to think and, and figure things out and watching their trajectory. I love that they know how to do something that I might not know how to do. Yeah. I love that they're going to come with something that I can't wouldn't have thought of without them, and we're going to then glue it together and make it even better. That's the magic for me of working with a team that I, I could never do on my own. We're going to create something I could never do by myself. 
And without that team, I would not be here, you know? Without that team, like right now, I am not in the office. Where's the team? They're busting their ass at, the, at work right now. I can trust it's getting done, it's getting done well. So um, they're everything, the team is everything. It's a, and it's a good team. I mean, just from my interaction with a couple of the girls mm -hmm. has always been really great. Mm -hmm. And you never know what you're gonna get with this kind of like you never know what you're gonna get with PR people very and magazine. You never you never yeah. know really. Sure, and it's true. been I I mean I think I was talking to Carly for almost a year now. <laughs> yeah, she came to the event that we did <laughs> yeah. and everything, and it That's was great, right. really yeah. really great. Yeah, yeah. So that I think is a reflection. Yeah. Of well, they're my people. Like these are my girls and like and my guys. But like they um, they're loyal and they they uh, I trust them and they trust me. It's mutually res respectful. Um, and we can go at it too. Like I'm okay with that, but everyone knows the buck has to stop somewhere and has to stop with me. But I would like to think it's always done. You know, there's always respect. Number one. Has yeah. To be there. I just think, I mean, again, going back to your position, I just think it's so important to have somebody like you because it's going to reflect in the entire magazine and we're going to see different people and diversity and all of it. And how has that um, evolved as you've been in your position? Well, I mean, you know, of course, like we're, Mike, I'm constantly saying the messaging, of course, has to be we have to include, have a more diverse uh, point of view. As much as visually diversity needs to be shown in the magazine, our point of view needs to continue to be diverse because, you know, one of the hardest things about the fashion industry in general is that, or any creative industry is that in order to even get in there, it do, you know, you don't have any people who, in order to even be an intern, you have to have enough money to have the backing to do something that hardly pays you any money. The jobs don't pay what they would pay if you were doing something in another industry. So I often worry that economically there is a, a lack of diversity at for, for who's working at the magazine or any magazine. That worries me because that's just as important. The, the, the mindset that you have um, depending on your, your economic situation as, as your race or, or your your color or your religion or whatever all those things matter so yeah it changes conversations we have very different conversations um, maybe than would happen in other places because I'm obviously willing to go there and point out things or just even having a discussion which then even makes the way the topics of conversation uh, go off in different directions it's a pretty woke team you know um, <laughs> like for, for real but but uh, yeah I don't know like it's almost as if You've got to have an initiative of, in one way, which is all right, we need to look at how we can increase more women of color in the magazine, more women uh, of different sizes being represented, more stories being shared that aren't maybe the, the, the usual. We also have to stay on brand. This right, that's the thing magazine. that's like, how the hell how right? do you do that? This is still a fashion magazine, and then you, it's just like, I mean, there's a lot of layers to it. Yeah. But I, I know that just my presence helps to, and the presence of other, ethnic minorities on staff uh, um, also helps to um, just by nature without trying it. Like I always say that to everyone at work, we're not going to ever do something where we're yelling at everyone, look how diverse we are, look at what we did, we put this model here, we're never going to do that because it should just be done. It's not, it shouldn't be something you like, celebrate us for doing something we should have been doing all along. Amazing I just, point. I just want us to do it and it be normalized right? Just be normalized. I just want it to be normal that you, you have a conversation or you see something, you read a story and it applies to maybe someone else. Maybe it's not your situation, but you can still get something out of it. You can still reflect. It leaves you a different person than when you, when you first picked it up. 
So that's always how we will be, is we're doing it, but we're not like, give us a gold star for something that's what everyone should be doing. I just think it's so important because media directly affects who we are. And 100%, like it's, you can't, you take it in every day, it's gonna affect how you dress, how you talk, everything. Mm -hmm. So it's like the people that are behind it can't be Harvey Weinstein. They can't be these people no. because it's like, the, but it's mm -hmm. like that is directly affecting our entire lives. So I think it's just so important to see yeah, more women, more women of color, Mm -hmm. All of it. So yeah, and, he, and just seeing it can get you up and, and kind of get you through the next day. Um, and I think there's a, there is definitely even just a shift with women supporting women right now, or at least uh, okay, we got to really stick together, no messing around anymore. Like this is it's all coming out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like Lady on uh, Lady Gossip calls it the I love her. the Advent Calendar of, <laughs> of sexual predators or something, where she's every, like, day. every day. Who is it today? It's wild. But I'd say one of the things that shifted with what I, like, I, I always have these, like, catchphrases or mantras or whatever that I carry around with me when I'm trying to, you know, live, work, whatever. And one of them that I always had early on was, if you don't ask, you don't get, right? That's how it started. Now I've learned that you, that is not entirely accurate and, and that has to be evolved. So the idea of oh. if you don't ask, you don't get is very important. If you don't say, I would like to take part, no one will know. If you don't, of course that's important. I always thought that way, like if I don't speak up, I won't get in a meeting, for example, if I know I need to be heard. And it served me well. However, now I'm in this position, I can certainly say that when people come and ask me for something, or when people want something from me, which a lot of people do, <laughs> which is cool, you got to think about, and even I have had to learn this intuitively over the years, is, okay, so it's not just about asking, it's about who you're asking, when you're asking, how you're asking, what is the context of how you are going to, to someone with the request? Um, what have you done to know what their situation is, right? Because you can't just roll through and ask your boss for, like, here's a classic example. I mean, everyone wants to get, get, get a raise, right? So of course you should ask for that. I say this to my team all the time, never be afraid to ask for something that you want here. If I can't do it, I can't do it, but it, by all means, you can bring it to the table. So the most common thing to think about with anyone in any job is how to, you want to go ask for a raise. But you need to, before you come in and ask me for that raise. Why am I already laughing? <laughs> well, you need to be like, okay, one, has she had coffee? Two, yes, that's ridiculous. But it's actually No, it's actually okay. really real. But, but you need to be like, what day of the week is it? Like, has she just come into 50 meetings? Are we in budget right now? When does budget, when do budgets get set? How realistic is it for her to make this happen at this time that I'm asking for it? Also, more importantly, what have I done to, to be entitled to this raise? Where's my, where's my information? Where are my receipts? Where's my list of like actual objective information about what I have done that has increased? Because think about what I've got to do. For me to get that, I got to go to my boss. So what do I need? What does her boss want to know? It's always numbers, bottom line. What have I done that I could, I could show has, has brought the company money or saved the company money? What have I done that shows that showed I've increased traffic or deep or brought in new customers or, or, or uh, eliminated a process that no longer works for us? What have I got to show my boss for her to go and make a legitimate business decision and case for? Because sometimes it isn't just about, listen, this, we all deserve it. Every single person on my team should be paid 20 times more than they're being paid by how hard they work. But there's also, this is a business. So you've got to know, and that's across anything. It isn't just, 
Intuitively, we know this. If we want to ask our spouse for something, we know not to do it if they haven't had coffee or just woke up or had a bad day with their boss or, or they got a big I've never thought day. about it like that. It's huge. When you realize it, you're like, right, damn. I've never thought damn. about it like that. You have to think about the situation you're going into. You got to be like a general in a war with your little pieces of strategy set out and be like, all right, it's Tuesday. That's a good day for her. Okay, but what time of year is it? Well, budgets got set a week ago. I guess it's probably too late. What can I do? That, you know, you got to have all of that lined up. And if you do that, even if it doesn't work out, your boss will view you differently, see you differently. It will raise the, you, the way that you handled yourself in their estimation. It will, you know, it's good, better for you because you now have a bigger and better understanding of the bigger picture. We all get so caught up in our own little world that's right lit- oh my god that's so i've never thought about it like that that's, a, that's, so that's really great advice so the difference is not just <clears throat> you don't get hell yeah that's true it is the make sure that when you are asking you know who why when the background of what you're asking for and who you're asking it to or even asking the right person for what you want you know Right. Some people you need to be just going to them and asking them advice on how to do the following things as opposed to just outright doing it. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. You get one shot to ask for things sometimes. So you want to make damn sure that you have, it's not just on a whim because you're like, ah, I look cute today. I'm going to raise my hand in this meeting, you know? Yeah. How would you translate that advice for when you were, when you were maybe freelancing and you weren't in an office position? Mm-hmm. Like what would, mm-hmm. what would that kind of translate to for someone like me who's like kind of an mm-hmm. entrepreneur running mm-hmm. all over the place mm-hmm. when I'm just kind of like approaching PR agencies or who, whoever. I have to reach out to people all, all the, time. the time. Yeah. Well, and, and it's okay to ask. Like, this is the, the key thing is it's always okay to ask. It's always okay to ask. But at certain times, if the stakes are high for you, you want to take a sit back and try to get as much knowledge and background as you can. So what you might want to do is utilize your network and be like, do you know this PR? Have you ever met this PR? i got to pitch them something that's really important. What do you know about them? Do they, how do they like to be pitched? What's a project? You look at what projects have they been working on? Is this even the right project for them? You know, so you do your background research on the person you are trying to get to and make sure that that is actually the person that you need. That might not be the person who's gonna make the decision that you need them to I've make. I've done that before. We've Wasted a whole bunch that. of time, yeah. press kit, amazing yeah. emails, da da da, yeah. calls, and then yeah. they're like, actually, I'm gonna have to pass you on. I'm like, <laughs> I'm tired. And that's also where relationships are so important. Right. Relationships and reputation. A lot of work gets done for you when your reputation is solid, and a lot of work gets done for you if your relationships are solid, you know? Because then you have a more comfortable situation where you can bounce stuff off of people and they know who you are and they know what you stand for and they know that they can vouch for you. So yeah, so I would say in any environment, if you want something, you should go for it and you should never be afraid to ask for it ever. But it can help you get more of what you want if you take a second and really reflect on, on, on the context of where you're going into and what you're asking for. You know, this just came to me as you were speaking, but I think... I feel like a lot of people, I mean, including myself, would feel like if you're really making something out of nothing, right, is it really possible to get, I I always use there because it's like there can be whatever for anybody, but really get to that space. Do you really think that that's possible? Like something out of nothing, like, like you don't have what? Like, let's say you're really starting a business from the ground up mm-hmm. and you're just like totally brand new. Mm-hmm. It seems mm-hmm. like a lot of people are like, I'm not even, I don't even want to bother trying because yeah, I yeah, feel like yeah. I'm not going to be able to like mm-hmm. actually get there. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it's real. That's just for people who have good luck or something like oh that. Oh God, there's no such thing. Yeah. You know what? I don't know. I mean, I think, okay, so if something out of nothing, 
I've always, this is also one of my earlier core beliefs I had in my 20s, along with you don't ask, you don't get, which is um, if I can just find one other person who has done something close to what I want to do, or, or then, then I can do it too, right? So at that time, I was looking for somebody who could do something that I could say, okay, well, they didn't finish college, or they didn't come from this background, or, you know, they, they've got this degree this way, or whatever it might have been. I could find one other person out there who'd done it, then I would know, well, it can be done. And that's what I needed at the time. I needed validation that my dreams or whatever could be achieved from the, where I was coming from. So something from nothing, there's millions of examples of people making something out of nothing, but it's, it's, it's the something out of nothing and then you see the final result and you have no idea what happened in between. Exactly. Because so much of these conversations we have, even with women and empowerment and like support each other, and we're like, cool, but what does that look like? Yeah. What do we do next? What is the action? So yes, of course you can make something out of nothing, but what you've got to figure out is, well, what, what is the steps in between? I always look at the big goal and I work backwards from it not from the beginning forward. So what I would do is, okay, I want to be president. Well, I can't because I'm Canadian, but State Department. <laughs> I want to be president. Okay, so then what just comes under that? What do I need to do you know, to get to the, even a position where I could be considered for that role? And then just below that, what kind of a government background or, or political background or, or work in the community do I need to be doing? And just before that, well, how do I get to that work in the community? Where is it? So on, so on, so on. So if you're like, I want to be a, a music mogul or I want to be... A, you know, a, a digital, a digital mobile like X. Well, what, what's the last? What's oh, where am I getting to? Because what is that step? I find it easier to build it backwards. That's so good. I find it easier. To build I'm it always backwards. building forwards, yeah, and I don't and even know what I'm looking at. That's what I mean. And you're sort of like, and eh, then I guess this will lead to this. No, start from what you know, mm. so you roughly can say, all right. Well, roughly speaking, if I want to be a doctor, obviously, then okay, to be a doctor here, I got to go to medical school. I go to medical school. school I got to do this. Got to get the grades to get into medical school. I got to do that to. You can even do it with little things like that, you know? It just feels more motivating for me to do it that way. I think of things that I wouldn't necessarily think of if I did it from the bottom up thinking instead of talking. It feels kind of better to do it, it that way. Like, feels better. better. More exciting. Yeah. yeah. And it's easier to do if you're looking at someone famous or successful, then you can kind of track back, oh, well, if they did that, you don't necessarily need to know all the nitty gritty. You just need to know, I can't get that job without that degree, so that's going to have to come into play. Or, oh, I can get that job without the degree, but it means I'm going to have to do all these internships or all this type of work or all this type of whatever. Um, and then you can be realistic about if it's for you or not. I just love that quote that's like, if you want to be great, study the greats. And yeah, that's such a true thing because it's like, of course, you're not going to have the exact same journey. Yeah. But if you can almost like mimic a bit of what they've mm -hmm. done, especially yeah. in the beginning, it's... 100% yeah, gonna help I learn think learn from them learn from them like you will still make your own mistakes and of course you will and you will have your own things to figure out and crosses to bear but yes like there there are so many wonderful like reading biographies or any of those kind of things can really set your open your mind up in a different way than just reading like a straight career advice book or something like that what do you think your biggest mistake was within your career oh, we don't have to get into life <laughs> we'll be here all day right so many mistakes career? I don't know. Um, no. I guess it depends on how you view it too, because that yes. probably even helped you in the yeah, long well, run. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot. Of, yeah, a lot of people say that. Well, you, first of all, you have to make the mistakes. It's never going to be perfect, so you got to figure out how to make the mistakes and like get over it and deal with it and learn from it for sure. I don't know. I mean, just dumb stuff. Like, I'm not. I'm as you saw today. I'm not good with time. Being late a lot isn't great. <laughs> I used to have this job when I. This is this isn't really a mistake, but there's like an example of what I, what we were dealing with back then. Is like I had to get up really early. I was a temp. I was like temping in an investment bank in London, 
and I had to be there at 7 a.m. every day. And um, I was like 21, maybe. And um, I lived in a place in London that didn't have the subway, so I had to take like a night bus that early to get to work. I had to take like a 5 a.m. bus to get there. Are we talking London, England? England, yeah. So, How long did you live in London? Like 13 years. Oh, wow. So I would, of course, like party all night and be like, I'm good, I'm young, I got this. And then they had, they had these things called Proplus, these like evil, evil caffeine pills. That that's what got me through two years of working there. Anyway, Lord. Whatever. But I would get up and I would go to the night bus all cranky and mad and watch people driving home from the clubs past me as I'm waiting for the bus. And I'd go to work and I would just be terrible. And I would go into the bathroom. They had these really nice executive bathrooms. And I would go in there. I would shut the door of the cubicle, lean my head on that soft little toilet paper roll, and I would nap. <laughs> this is this is who's the editor-in-chief of Elle right now. This is me. All right? Thank you. Yes. Good advice for all. Like, that is who I was. I was not the fash. But did you have fun? I was, I was unrefined. But that job did, being a real... <clears throat> but the good thing was about that job is it put me around people I would have never seen before. These investment bankers, really educated, really focused on on money and power, and they would work all kinds of hours, and it just opened my world up to something I didn't know about. So in the long run, it was very good. But, yeah, I've made a lot of mistakes. I was a terrible employee at that point. That's not not reliable, high on caffeine, and sleeping on the toilet, waking up every so often. You know, people probably thought I had like a stomach issue or something. <laughs> so I need to know why, so why did you live in London for a job? Was it for a job? No, 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 no. It was because I was 18 and, you know, I was 18 and I didn't want to, I wasn't ready to go to university and I just wanted to do stuff and I didn't speak any other languages and all my dad's family was in the States, but I knew the States and I wanted to, you know, whatever. So it was only just going to be a short term thing, but I, it just became, London for me just became a place of freedom and it was the making of me as a person and as a woman and I was able to just do, I felt free to do whatever I'd always wanted to do and try. And some, Why? Pe some people need to leave where they are. Right. Some yeah. people do, not everyone does. I'm a person I needed to leave where I was and almost like erase, forget about who, who all these, what I thought I was before and just do that. I mean, I can say that now looking back at 18, I was just like, cute boys with English accents, what? <laughs> and you stayed for 13 years. Yeah, I mean, I came back a after the first year, I think I came back for a little bit and then I went back again. And, and yeah, it was a long time and it was, it was very, very good for me. It was very, very good for me. Um, but yeah, so when I came back, it was like 2007 maybe. Wow. So I've been back now for 10 years. And what made you come back? Uh, lots of things. I had my daughter, and uh, I How had a book she? coming out. She's now 12. Oh, wow. We're pretty tight. We're pretty yeah. close. I just mean she has to separate herself from me. It's what you have to do as a, as a woman when you grow up. You've got to separate yourself from your mom, yeah. and then you come back to them. Yeah. She has to be her own person. Yeah. You know? And uh, and I, I want her to be her own person, of course, and I love her so much, and, and we're very close. But I see now, I'm like, oh, interesting. So you're wearing leggings, pants again, and a crop top. Okay, we gotta figure this. We have to figure this out. You know? So I'm like, can you just fix your hair? She's like, it's good. <laughs> very superficial stuff. I'm sure that'll change really quickly, yeah. at the, uh, like soon in yeah. age. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. For I learned a me. lot. Good. I'm so happy I could be of service. For sure. I'm like, <laughs> now I got to go home and make lists and build backwards and do all of these things. Reformat my emails. <laughs>
Start sending them to the right people. Right? Yeah, it's all But good. yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for I really me. appreciate you taking the time to do anytime, this. Anytime, anytime. And uh, if you want to let the listeners know where to find you. Yes, please. So I am at Vanessa Craft, V-A-N-E-S-S-A-C-R-A-F-T, uh, on social media. And of course, El Canada. Follow us too, elcanada.com and Insta and social. <laughs> Perfect. And buy the magazine. Support what we are doing, please. Of course. Uh, and thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow me at I am Bianca Harris and Whip Toronto everywhere. And we'll hear from you next time.